Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Some big news off the top of the show. Five TV One will be launching the first six episodes of the Long Night with Vishkana talk show for Bell Media cable subscribers on Monday, May 1st, 2017 on Five TV Channel 1 and Channel 1217 on Bell's Five TV service. Uh, we're celebrating the occasion with a launch party at Longboat Hall, 1087 Queen Street West in Toronto on Wednesday, May 3rd. Between 6 and 8 p.m. Myself, the cast and crew, some of the guests who were on the show, shows. We recorded the, the six shows at the end of January there. They're all going to be on the show, and I'll be interviewed on stage. Short little interview with Aliyah Pabani of The Imposter. She's going to talk to me about the talk show. And then, yeah, and then in June, we're going to start to circulate episodes of the show on you know YouTube and Vimeo, wherever we can. And then the audio will also be featured on this podcast. But again, I'd like you to please come to the launch party for the show at Longboat Hall on Wednesday, May 3rd, between 6 and 8 p.m., and uh, it's going to be fun. So please, come on out, and uh, oh, there's an Eventbrite uh, link to reserve uh, free tickets, and more information about that on my website, vishkana.com, and also on our show's Facebook page. Okay? Thanks. Come on out. It'll be fun. Long night. It's happening. A TV show. I got a TV show. For now, let's see what happens. A quick word to let you know that if you pledge $10 or more to the Creative Control Patreon page throughout April 2017, you will receive one Creative Control t-shirt while supplies last. I have the maroon one with my head on it, and the sort of yellow one with the pizza lettering and in unisex, small, medium, large, and extra large sizes. So if you'd like to support the show and receive a small, medium, large, or extra large token of my appreciation, visit patreon.com slash creative control to view the shirts and pledge $10 or more today. Thanks! Saltland is the moniker of composer and cellist Rebecca Foon, who calls Montreal, Quebec home. A former member of a Silvermount Zion and currently in the group Esmerine, Foon has just released A Common Truth, her second album, Saltland. Here's a bit of Under My Skin, the second song on that record.
A Common Truth is a lovely, stirring album released by Constellation Records on March 31st, 2017. And Rebecca and I recently had a chat about her yoga practice and mental health, climate change and the actions of people who both acknowledge and deny its impact on Earth, her role in co-organizing the successful and star-studded Pathway to Paris concerts for climate justice, Flea and Warren Ellis, her own music, and much more. Sponsored by Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Fair Trade Certified Organic Coffee, this is Saltland on the 314th episode of Creative Control with your host, me, Vishkana. Hey, Becky, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm very well. Welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it seems like it was just yesterday that you and Bruce were on talking about Esmerine. Right, yeah, totally. But it was it was about a year and a half ago or something like that, a year ago, I think. I know, time makes no sense. Time makes makes no sense. So where are you today? I'm in Montreal. You're in Montreal now. I can't I thought I heard you moved. Are you still in Montreal? Yeah, I just live um, part time in Montreal, part time in New York. What so pre- what precipitated? Go back and forth. You go back and forth. <laughs> why why are you in New York part of the time? For music and uh, do some yoga stuff there. I have a yoga studio there with my dear friend Sarah Newfeld. Oh, okay. And it, I was gonna. Oh, so you run a yoga? You're not going to do yoga. There's yoga in Montreal. <laughs> There's yoga in Montreal, <laughs> and there's yoga in New York. Right. So you're you're actually a yoga instructor. Yeah, I I started a yoga studio there with a friend, with Sarah. With Sarah, who's also been on the show, and I think we've talked about yoga when she was last on the show. So oh, hilarious! It, it's, yeah, it's, there you go. Yoga Full circle. <laughs> <laughs> now, yoga. Uh, lots of people do yoga. Lots of people like doing yoga. What brought you to yoga? Um. Well, I guess we both kind of fell into it for the same reasons just from being in touring bands being on the road a lot and feeling um needing some sort of grounding and feeling of general health and well-being and mental health so yoga was just a, a nice vehicle for trying to stay healthy on the road and grounded and and we fell in love with it and fell in love with the same kind of um, yoga practice and so then we decided to to launch something in New York while also bringing together yoga with music and culture so we we do a lot of live music at the studio as well you do you perform for yoga attendees or who do you perform for yeah we'll do well, we've done concerts there but we also do live music during special special classes once in a while like once a month we'll do We'll bring together live music and while a teacher is teaching a class. Wow, that's interesting. So you're really you're really inter- integrating your worlds. Uh, yeah, the- it's a fun way for us to integrate our worlds because also, and it's a fun way to try to make yoga more connected to who we are as people. Yeah. Because, it's, yeah, it's fun to kind of push boundaries with what is yoga. Well, I, I want to learn more about that because I think there are some misperceptions about yoga. Yoga is a very physical activity, but it also caters to mental health and yeah. and relaxation. And I, but I think that you know some people see one see it as one or the other, and some people Definitely. view it as kind of hokey, or, or and other people live yeah, and swear by I it. I I thought it was hokey for so long, and it is. It does bring up the issue of mental health, and I think more and more as this is totally not where I thought we were going to go right away but um, more and more as I get older and continue to do music and cultivate a creative practice and try to dive in to find new ideas as a musician the more I find it almost integral to that practice and I almost find it like a spiritual practice of finding mental health um, Mm -hmm. for myself and and that's kind of a weird wor- word and has weird connotations associated to it and you know so does a lot of 
health practices like yoga like triggers triggers ideas and and for myself it did as well but I do find like the older I get I personally need to have tool more tools in my toolbox of how to maintain like a peacefulness and and try my new mod, like mo is to really try to not integrate stress and anxiety try to live a stress-free and anxious free life mm-hmm. that's also free of negative thoughts so for me um yoga is a big part of that and and meditation now it, and it's helped me enormously i think that there's a perception among some people that musicians or artists are have these carefree lives you know they're, right, do, they're, yeah. they're doing something they love and it's an expression of themselves and what a you know, if someone has uh, viewing this from a at least somewhat of an even keel perspective, they would say, "What a what a privilege! What a what an honor it is for these people to be able to do this for a living, for a livelihood, to express themselves." But I think that what I've seen in the last few years is a real outpouring from artists and musicians who are willing to talk about how difficult a life it can be and how stressful. A life it can be clearly yeah, you, you you relate to this well definitely but I also I think this kind of ties into my new album because I think the state of the world is also whether you come from a privileged family that and had a beautiful childhood and you know don't have too many like your stress levels your daily stress levels are quite minimal compared to many other people on this planet I think when you look, you can't deny that humans on planet Earth are all interconnected. And I think health and wellness is, and happiness is deeply interconnected to all of us. Yeah. Like, I don't, I, I just fundamentally believe that. Like, I don't think you can have like 10% of the population happy on a spiritual level and 90% not happy or 5%, 1% or 5% or whatever. Like, I, I think that's not happiness. I don't think. To, I, don't, I just don't think that can really work. Like, if we're really defining what happiness is, yeah. I think love and equality and justice and democracy, like all of those elements to society are so critical. And so if we look at like planet Earth and happiness and how to get to a happy, happier world, like you cannot deny what, like get to the root of like what's really going on. And so, and I find what's interesting about climate change is that it does, you know, it's a very specific scientific phenomena that's going on on planet earth. But like, we are also, it's so deeply connected to so many pretty, I would say probably every issue the world is facing. So it, it's so, it's very, it's all so interconnected. Everything is so interconnected and and what comes with that is an enormous opportunity to be honest about what's going on and to come up with innovative solutions that could not only keep us in a place of climate safety for from now moving forward yeah. so that the planet can survive as we know it in terms of biodiversity and but what we know, um, but also like the yeah it's just it can also t- by, by that opportunity can also tap into critical issues that we are facing in this state of emergency um where we're really like looking into our own extinction or facing it like we can actually see that path if we don't do anything about it um how long that would be is you know a huge question mark but mm-hmm. it is something that we all subconsciously or consciously know about and so I, I just think as like an artist or a human on even a person on planet Earth, like that, just that information is really intense. It doesn't matter who you are because we're all connected and we all breathe the air that we breathe. We all experience the oceans. Like it's all, there's a bunch of commons on planet Earth that we all share. Yeah. And what, how we have access to those is different based on, class and income and privilege etc but it is it still interconnects us all so 
it's just a really, I find it a really unique time. And I think art and culture and music have an enormous role to play in terms of tapping into that emotional depth and honesty of what's going on yeah. and, and communicating it however one chooses. But it's, it's something we're all facing, which is kind of an interesting thing. Well, you talk there about commonality, about a collective experience, a, a collective consciousness. And I mean, you called your record a common truth and you have been discussing climate change. And from what I understand, and feel free to clarify this, but from what I understand, yeah. you know, climate change, the state of uh, the, the, the prospect of ecological collapse, that's all informed your record. And and yeah. I want to ask you more about that. But I do I do want to land a little bit on this this word truth you've, right. ca- you've called your record a common truth it, it harkens or for me anyway it, re- it reminds me of uh, the very uh, famous Al Gore documentary an inconvenient yeah. truth there's something about climate change which has divided people uh, um, uh, about fact and fiction more than almost anything that I can think mm-hmm. of this this sense of I mean they call it uh, the people who are opposed to climate change uh, science are called climate change deniers. It, it's a very pointed designation. And yet yeah. the, in the face of that is now at least two examples that I can think of of truth in the face of this. Can you talk about your choice of uh, in, in using in, in incorporating this word truth uh, in this record? Again, forgive me if I've misread the record, but this is my understanding is that it ties into the things you were just talking about in terms of climate yeah, change. It actually, yeah, it actually, it hits on them exactly. Yeah. To, so it hits into this idea of honesty. So the fact that um, I think this a collective consciousness needs to really be awakened if we're going to if we're going to solve this problem, this collective problem on planet Earth. Yeah. That it, it first of all requires honesty of what's tapping into really what's going on. And so that that's where the truth comes in, and um, and then a common truth is coming back to the idea of the commons, so that we are all interconnected on this beautiful planet, and so we are all. It's it is an interesting problem because we we are all connected to the problem. It doesn't matter how rich you are. Like people face. Of course, you know, small islands are experiencing climate change much more dramatically than, say, people in New York City, but New York City is also experiencing it or had experienced it with Sandy. And, you know, like it's, it's all, it's, we can't run away from it. And so now, you, you know, like it's if you want to go city. to Mars, yeah. you can go to Mars, yeah. but it's, it's really happening. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so when you sit back and think about why this truth, is being denied. Where, yeah. Where, what do you come up with? I mean, I think cynically and critically, it's a bottom line situation. People looking at the financial implications of actually doing something to combat what's happening or to acknowledge what's happening. But yeah. is that too simple? Like, I, I, I gather you've thought a lot about this and, and the opposition to this notion that something is happening uh, on a man-made level about climate change. But when you, what do you make of people denying it? And and what do you think their arguments are? Like that, anything you can wrap your head around? Like, (laughs) I know a lot of it probably doesn't make sense to you, but can you, can you talk on that a bit? Yeah, definitely. I think um, a lot of it is fear and climate change is, you know, it's a hard one to wrap your brain around in terms of how to solve the issue. And I think um, in terms of discussing climate change, even people that believe in climate change and want to help try to use their own life to make an impact to, towards a more sustainable world, it's, it's hard to really know what to do because it's such an enormous problem. And it's, I think, as... I think more and more we're realizing it's beyond like changing your light bulbs in your house or, you know, it's just like, it's such a, it's, it requires such an enormous collaborative effort for humanity across the planet to kind of solve together. And, and but, that's where but like, you, the Paris agreement. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but but in terms of the fear of that, I think I think there's so many multi layers, and I I don't know enough about human psychology to know like the heavy deniers of like what's really going on there. If it's really just about money, or if it's about fear that we are are actually going to run out of resources, and there's just are too many humans on this planet, and so we got to keep it to ourselves because we're in positions of power, like what we see right now going on in the current U.S. administration, or like like I don't I don't know, but I do know that there is. Um, like just we, we know the facts of, of what's going on and the science is real and there's a lot of energy being poured into also um, denying it so it's it's a funny one humans are weird well we, we humans are weird and we've become increasingly we're increasingly put in these positions now where we have to particularly I think since the shock of uh, Donald Trump's election and the fact that his supporters are so steadfast no matter what he says or does. Uh, we're in this position where we are, I think, forced to try to comprehend incomprehensible points of view. Yeah, but I, know. I but it's so I, weird. it is weird. But I also think that I mean, put yourself in the position of someone who um, maybe doesn't have uh, the highest education, and they're hearing that uh, humans control the climate. I'm sure that one of their arguments. I've not read this, but I'm sure one of their arguments would be like, look. If it's raining, I can't control the rain. There's nothing I can do to control whether it's a sunny day or a rainy day or a snowy day. What would you say to yeah. someone like that? <laughs> what would you say to someone and, like that, Becky? And I think that just comes into back to the point of like if you are in a position of power or have the capability of influencing or inspiring others, I really do feel that it's almost an obligation at this point to to try and make a difference because we are in such a critical state of emergency. Like right now, I, I truly believe that um, we don't have, you know, like some people think presidents or people, prime ministers, they come and go. So like, but right now, I think the next four years are... Um, so critical in terms of climate change and really trying to come up with a plan to reduce our global greenhouse gas emissions. Yeah. And so in terms of people that might not have a very clear understanding of what's going on, where I, I just really think the educators out there need to do what they can to, to really talk about solutions and talk about the problems. And for me, the solution is quite clear cut um, in terms of climate change, I really do think it's about cities at this point and hmm. cities coming together to reduce their greenhouse gas gas emissions by 80 to 100 percent by 2050. And if enough of them can get on board, which would require probably a thousand, like it, it would require a lot of cities. Um, but if there was that kind of commitment, then we could find climate safety and, uh, and meet the Paris targets. Are there any cities signed on to that? now idea well well there's lots of cities right now that are um working to reducing their emissions yeah um and there's a a, a strong dialogue but I, I just really think that dialogue needs to push forward hmm. i mean you you alluded to the fact that education is such a huge uh part of this a huge aspect of this situation and i can't think of a time that i can recall where where facts and misinformation and and mistrust of what i view as solid information has ever run more rampant there's all these yeah. conspiracy theories and yet you know i can understand certain things falling under right and left political spectrum divides you know like I don't even want to get into them. A lot of them seem to be uh, religious-based and misinterpreting the Bible <laughs> uh, in terms of how what socialism is. Like, I could go on and on about this. I I have to assume that, like me, you are just completely baffled that something like climate change could become uh, a politicized thing. You know, it's so strange. Like... Um, so I start. I co-founded an organization with my friend Jesse Paris Smith, and during the Paris agreement, like during the UN climate change conference that took place in Paris, we organized two nights of concerts in Paris, out of and that really came out of a desire for something to come out emerge from the Paris 
talks. Yeah. Because um, we were both deeply concerned that it would be another Copenhagen or Kyoto that either nothing would come out of it or if it, that it would die quickly. Mm. And so, so this is where this album actually emerged was we worked really hard that year in 2015 to organize these two concerts. And, um, and so a common truth was, um, kind of an expression of, of that concern. And it's just so crazy now looking back because it was such a victory. It felt like a victory at the time when the Paris Agreement was established because I really wasn't sure it was actually going to, that nations of the world were going to come together to establish it. I know probably, I'm sure many people have different opinions on that, but mm-hmm. for me personally, I, I wasn't, it wasn't like a no brainer. And um, it's just so crazy now to see like where we're at and. Yeah, it is. What a wild world. Yeah, it, now you 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 were a, a principal organizer of, of these concerts. Who who played these concerts? Uh, the one in, the ones in Paris. Yes, we yeah we've organized a bunch of them, but the ones in Paris. Um, I guess the key performers were Tom York and Patti Smith and Flea and Warren Ellis, um, and myself and Jesse and a beautiful musician Tenzin Shogyal from he lives in Australia, but he's from Tibet. Hmm. Um, yeah, Fali Ipupa from France. So how do you, uh, you know, I know you travel the world, you meet people. How do you get such high caliber people to sign on to such an event? Do you contact them? Yeah, we contacted them. I, I think, you know, it's never easy, but the trick is stars aligning in terms of <laughs> schedules and timing. Yeah. And then also something like this, somebody's not going to do it unless they they're also deeply worried and concerned, which... Yeah makes for quite a powerful event if you can pull it together because that's what we found and that's what makes it worth it and why we keep doing it because the energy is quite powerful when you get incredible musicians and thinkers bill mckibben was there naomi klein Ben shiva they all spoke um when you get those kinds of brains and powerful spiritual channels of music um musicians in the room that deeply care about the state of the world and are genuinely worried and are being very truthful about it. Yeah. Um, it's quite, it's what you can channel in terms of emotional depth is quite powerful. Yeah. And that's why I really do believe there's a place for music and art to help channel a movement around um, solutions to fighting climate change. Yeah. I think it's it's been missing and I think it's really important. And at the end of the day, like we just don't have much time. So it's like what I'm connected to to try to make a difference and if it has an impact or not, I don't know, but it's something that I I do feel like it's filling a void and people need meaning in their lives and it's a, an opportunity for the people that we can find and talk to and um tap into like the like share the opportunity with it does feel like there's a there's something there i, I want to ask you a potentially difficult question and i, I don't yeah, necessarily sure. expect you to be able to answer this because i've been wrestling with this too i keep encountering this term echo chamber uh this notion of people uh you know just liking a bunch of like when you have your social media feed or whatever you're curating yeah. your feed it's you and your friends you know and you're all yeah liking the same posts or sharing the same information and in some cases you feel like you've accomplished something by doing that and spreading the word about something good and and i'm not yeah i'm not trying to uh criticize that but i can i can recall i agree with you yeah i can recall watching uh barack obama uh stump doing stump speeches for hillary clinton uh, and and rallying their base and mm-hmm. I, I couldn't help but wonder what it would be like if Barack Obama was like, you know what, I'm actually going to go to like a Trump thing or I'm going to go to a Republican <laughs> of, uh, a stronghold and try yeah. to talk to those people because those are the people whose minds you want to change. I guess what I'm talking about is mind changing, you know, you've got. I, yeah. Pat- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f***? 
are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Smith and Tom York and, 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 and those and yourselves, and, and that's great. I mean, and I'm sure it felt like a very joyous, significant event, but the people that would attend such an event aren't the ones you need to convert necessarily. You know what I mean? Right. But you know, it's funny. I agree with you, but I think, so the par- so that was 2015 and December, 2015. And at the time I actually do, like, you could, who knows if we helped <laughs> make the Paris agreement happen or not, but it was sketchy times. Like yeah. there was those attacks at the Bataclan that just happened. Yeah two and a half weeks before our concert and there were no concerts happening. The UN was, the city of Paris was canceling like every Mm -hmm. event. Mm -hmm. We were the only cultural event that happened in Paris during the UN climate change talks. And the fact that all those artists still came, like so many tours got canceled, like Prince canceled his tour at the time. There There was so much fear going on at that time that I think, I, I totally agree with you, but I do think those specific concerts were a bit of a historical moment, which might sound crazy. At that time, like dur- during those UN talks and the politics that were going on, like it just felt like that energy was really important at that time in that city. And if it happened again, I don't know if the, I can see exactly what you're saying that how helpful is this really but now we're no, in a very different his, his yeah. situation with Trump yeah. and I th- and even Trudeau with pipelines going like getting green lights like yeah. it's it's a very different situation now and so now I think first of all what I liked about what we did with Paris and I didn't know because it was so much work and it's like god if you do if you put all this work into something that's making zero impact so it's so depressing yeah and it doesn't make you want to continue to do it yeah but what what makes me and I really care about those metrics like I don't want to be putting my one and only life into energy that feels like it's not doing anything and then it just looks cool because it's involving cool people like to me that's not interesting and so um and and also i don't want to waste people's time like i don't want to bring tom york involved into something if it's like not doing anything for the world you know well let me let me just but i just want to clarify something i'm not trying to negate the efficacy of what you've done or what people are doing or yeah or, or try to suggest that pressure and protests aren't effective i guess all i'm saying is i i guess i'm i'm expressing my own impatience with my inability to convince people that are totally different from who have a different view of things to come around and i guess for me like in a way i don't even I, i see it as action and so if someone is completely against something or completely for it I, in a way, it's almost like you have to spin it on its head. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at someone like Elon Musk, like he's creating like really innovative technology, but he's a f- Trump supporter. Yeah. And like I, if I had the money, I would buy a Tesla. Why not? But like he's a Trump supporter. Like we're, there's like it's a weird twist, you know? Like who yeah. is this guy? Yeah. And so for me, the the next step with like where what I think maybe I want to focus my energy on is like with continuing to create the art that I create, the music that I create, and with the organizational work that I do, for me, it's about solutions at this point. And I think with solutions, the solutions are can bring in all different types of philosophies. So even like the climate deniers, because we're because it brings in economics. Yeah. And so like the climate deniers might buy a Tesla or like I'm not saying like that's like a very kind of weird comment, but like there's <laughs> I I think that the um, I just think at this point we're so in the red light that like we need to come up with 
like we really need to come up with how to get off of greenhouse gas emissions ASAP. Yeah. And within that, there's a huge opportunity to weave in social justice and equity, bring, have a, build a society, build a world um, that's rooted in the ethics that we care about, that creates um, a healthy, mentally healthy, sustainable world. Yeah. Coming back to mental health. But um, anyway, so I really think that we can, I, I really do think we can do it and do it through solutions and do it through building cities that are exciting to live in that are not dependent on greenhouse gas emissions. And I think it can bring in all types of people. Well, I agree with you and I appreciate your optimism and I, and I, I, I hope uh, that these things come to, to pass. Uh, you, you mentioned the music making that you have been doing, and I want to ask about, we've talked a lot about A Common Truth in a, in a kind of roundabout way, but I want to ask you about the actual record itself, um, because my understanding is you really wanted to focus uh, the, the, the sound on the cello and, and also your, your voice. Uh, can you talk about Salt Land and, and, and exactly your conception of this of this, exp- I know you've you know we've talked about some of, we talked about Esmerine and I know you from playing in the Silver Mount Zion way back when, I kind of know your trajectory a little bit, but can you explain Saltland and its conception and and how this record may have uh, maybe an extension of what you're you've been working on? Yeah, sure, I'd love to. So Saltland emerged, um, I guess the first album came out in 2013, and it was. It came out of a desire for me to explore what um, I could create from the cello as a root of building songs. So, um, so within that, I was exploring looping melodies and um, and then trying to sing over top of them. And I, I was curious about writing lyrics, and because all of all the stuff that we're talking about just has been so much a part of my inner dialogue. Of yeah. I kind I needed other ways to kind of tap into creative, because in a way, like, music is also like a therapy for me, a channel. It's like a creative channel of expression that can take me to another place, which is really, um, I look for that a lot in life, and it's, it's um, really fulfilling. And so for me to be able to kind of with all with all the admin work that i do as well in in life like it's nice to be able to tap into all these issues in a in a way that's so integrating lyrics was kind of an interesting challenge to try to build some songs um from all all of these ideas and so that's where it came from so the first album was also very much tied into climate change, but also just, and, and thinking about a sustainable future and what that means yeah. in green cities. And But it was less of a, I guess I wasn't, you know, now I definitely feel a call of emergency, whereas then I didn't feel that so strongly. I just, I felt um, a real desire to, to work towards creating more resilient, beautiful cities, green right. cities. Right. So, um, so this album, so the first album I never sung before on my own. I, I did a lot of group singing with Silver Mount Zion. Yeah. But I'd never sung on my own, and I never really knew what my voice sounded like, which is kind of weird. And I, I didn't really know what it was like to like write lyrics and sing lyrics. So I didn't really know if I could do it or not, but I did have this desire to try. And so I made the album that I made. And then for this album, I, I really wanted to strip it down and build songs that were very much just cello and voice so that I could not only play them live and not have to... Like, I, I was very in- interested in creating a very intimate record that I could just play yeah. solo. Yeah. But was, it, was it the Silver Mount Zion group singing that prompted you to start singing uh, publicly? Yeah, I never sung before that. Huh. It's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, you've been immersed in music for how long uh, in your life? It's funny. And yeah, forever since I was a kid. But yeah. I was always very, I'm a pretty shy person. Mm-hmm. And I I never, um, singing, it, it almost, it taps into like a different feeling that kind of scared me, I think. And mm. so, and that's also why I wanted to start singing was just on an emotional level, like, um, break down some fears around it yeah yeah 
but then I found something that I connected with, which is so, so beautiful to find. No, it's lovely. I mean, and the singing, the way it's mixed is sort of interesting. The the vocals become almost a, uh, an instrument. They blend into, for the most part anyway, they blend into yeah. the instrumentation quite a bit. It's, uh, is that what that was intentional or? Yeah, it's intentional, but it's funny. Those lyrics are, I, I should probably put them on my website or something because they're all so connected to climate change. Yeah, yeah. And so, I, and I know they're hard to pick out a little bit. I wondered about that because it did seem like you had a really purposeful intent with these lyrics and the ones I can pick out, uh, I, I can hear that. But I mean, without the context, without first of all, without knowing you the way I, I do already and, and knowing what your interests are and, and getting a sense of uh, the record by its artwork and by even some of the titles, um, I could tell where you were coming from. But at the same time, listening to the to the songs, it, it's a little murkier. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's that's just an aesthetic decision on your part. Yeah, with Jace as well. Um, Jace uh, from Break Classes, who worked with me on the album very closely, and we have a, a pretty wonderful relationship in the studio together. I fully trust him, and so that's kind of where we landed. Yeah, I want to ask about Jace. So Jace Lasik is, uh, as you mentioned, he he runs a studio called Break Glass. He is a member of the band The Besnard Lakes. Uh, another collaborator on this record is Warren Ellis of The Dirty Three, and he plays with Nick Cave and uh, other people. Talk about those two. I mean, you, you mentioned Jace there. Is there anything? Actually, yeah. Tell me I about love it. Jace. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I adore him. And I, honestly, I wouldn't be where I am today, like making these two records without him because... Uh, I feel very safe with him and um, I really trust him and so it allows me to find new, th discover new things in myself because I think it's important to have like when you're recording or doing something really intimate that's scary, Yeah. Um, you can find powerful things but it's scary and so to have like a safe, feel like really in a safe little world um, is where you can find that and Jace and I like I, I just really feel safe with him and I also I love his creative ideas and we build off of each other he really listens to mine I listen to him and it's just like it's a real pleasure to work with him he's, he's such a wonderful person and he's so creative and such a sweetheart I just really think Montreal's lucky to have him you know, externally, uh, you've been on Constellation Records for a long time. Constellation yeah. headquarters is above the Hotel Tatango studio, which a lot of people use. Uh, I will say I was a little surprised <laughs> when I when I discovered that you'd made the record uh, outside of that studio. It just seems to be a, right. an HQ for so many artists who put out records on the label. Yeah, and I've done lots of records there. Of but course, yeah. I just I, Over the years, I've just developed this relationship with Jason, so it's been... Um, it's just been wonderful yeah. working with him. Yeah, and, and of course, I mean, I don't want to forget about Warren. Uh, yes. <laughs> Warren is a giant among music fans, and uh, it's not insignificant that you he, you have him on your record. That's amazing. Yeah, well, he's also a very dear friend. And um, Warren, it's so, fu it's so funny. Like, I, I had asked him to play for the Paris show, those two Paris shows, and... Um, he wasn't. I, I don't think he was sure if he could do it or not because of touring. Yeah. Um, and so never committed. And then Flea asked uh, last minute because Flea asked if he could do a solo set at that show. And then we're like, a oh, solo set, awesome, okay. And then he at the last minute was like, oh, my friend Warren is going to play, so we need to get a an ampeg for him. I was like, Warren. And he's like, yeah, Warren Ellis. And I was like, Warren's going to play with you? You're so upset. <laughs> anyway, so then I was like, great, okay. And so Warren played those two shows. And so we reconnected. And so, so he, so, and those shows were pretty, like, monumental for, I think, everyone involved. And so, um, in different ways. But, and so that's, like, so it's, it was just really nice to share that experience together. And then especially because this album was written basically up to that point right. and was a very much a reflection of, of that time. And so when I asked him if he wanted to be a part of this, it was just so wonderful. And I, I'm, I'm also like a big fan of, of uh, Nick and Warren's soundtrack work. Yep, yep. And, and there, 
what I truly love about what they do is, which I think is very unique, is that they, I really feel like an emotional depth with what, um, and also um, commitment, I guess you could say, in terms of what they want to accomplish when they write and what they execute. Like, I, I really do think they're trying to make, move hearts. Yeah. Um, and more and more, I f to be honest, I find that hard to find. Like, when I go online and look at Pitchfork or whatever it is and see music coming out, like, I, I, I want my heart to be moved with music and I want to feel things, and especially with what's going on with right now with the state of the world, like, I don't want to, I, I want to move away from a feeling of emptiness to like really feeling things. And maybe that's kind of a wild thing to say, but like, but I do feel that they, they do that. And so, so I was very much honored to work with him and write these songs together. That, that feeling you describe is, is something that I sometimes feel eludes me now. And I, I've I don't know about you. I've chalked it up to kind of both age a little bit not not i'm not an ageist in any way but i do mm -hmm. think you have formative experiences in your life and uh particularly if you're a music fan you see certain bands or artists or you hear certain records at a certain time when you have the the time to commit to to it uh to them yeah and then anything after that it's really got to be mind-blowing and potentially uh it might remind you of that feeling you had uh, seeing someone right. else it's a confusing I don't know about I you know. like I'm in my late 30s now and I'm, I'm at that age where I'm like do I love this new thing or do I love it because it reminds me of a thing that I already loved like I get confused right. <laughs> psychologically about how I I'm know. processing culture so when you say you're not moved as much I've wrestled with that too like I, yeah. uh, I sometimes wonder if that just means I've have I aged out of hip hop that so much of it doesn't speak to me the way <laughs> I don't know I you know, know. What I mean? but but I do I genuinely do believe that music can be a powerful tool to awaken people's hearts yes and and I, I think that is an important tool in terms of like thinking about climate change yeah and so I just hope more there's more and more of that that we'll see in the future because yeah. it's just so I, I think it's just so important. I agree. Uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't call back to some someone you mentioned uh, a few moments ago, and, and that would be Flea. Are you friendly with <laughs> Are you friendly with Flea? Oh, man. Well, just from these concerts. Okay, because I was going to say there are people in my peer group who don't like Flea. You know, they don't really enjoy <laughs> oh, the Red Hot oh. Chili Peppers, and right. but but Flea, I, I often hear like I I was talking to Will Oldham once. And uh, he told me that uh, one of the reasons... Will famously got to do a duet with Johnny Cash uh, on one of his records where, where Johnny Cash was covering uh, I See a Darkness by Bonnie Prince Billy. So Will, what, I, what my understanding, if I remember this correctly, is it was just a re the result of Rick Rubin and Flea just talking about music they loved and, and records oh, they thought Johnny could cover. And then Will's name came up and then they contacted him and then they asked him to come to the session uh, just to help guide the production i don't think the intention was for him to sing this is my re i uh, maybe I'll, i'm i'm supposed to talk to will soon so maybe i'll get a clarification on this but in any case and then you know when i i know that uh he flea can be a bit tight with some of the some of our mutual friends in the fugazi camp and uh it, it just makes me wonder about flea there must be more to flea well, i have to, I, i'll say one thing about flea if you're curious i he blew my mind uh hmm at the Paris concerts. His heart is so huge. If, mm. if you're curious, you should watch on the Pathway to Paris um, Vimeo station. It, there's a video of what Flea and Warren did together and the end of him sharing his love for the world is just so moving. And what he had to say, like we did a press conference and what he had to say was just so beautiful. Okay. I, I think, I really think he's a beautiful person. Well, that's nice to hear. See, I don't know. I've never met Flea. I've never encountered Flea. Uh, I don't know. any. I, once he retweeted something, I posted about a Discord thing. I remember that. That's my only mm. interaction with Flea. I, I think he really cares about people and the planet. Okay. Well, that's that's good to know. That's good to know. Well, what's coming up next for you and Saltland? I want to go from Flea back to you, <laughs> Becky. Uh, what's, ha what's happening with Saltland? Um, 
Saltland is just doing some shows. Esmerine's going to go on tour in a couple of weeks in Europe, and yeah. so Saltland's going to open for Esmerine for some some of those shows in Europe. So I'm looking forward to that. Seems like a um, conflict of interest to me, Becky. Uh, it is definitely, but you know, it also is do it kill it like it's getting some things done at the same time, <laughs> which is helpful. Okay, good. I just I know <laughs> if what I you're... can go to Europe once instead of twice. Yeah, that's that's helpful. No, that's great. That's awesome. Actually, wasn't Bruce uh, from Esmerine uh, playing with you in Saltland uh, when you were in Guelph? Yeah, we just did a show together at the Kazoo Festival. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. fun. Yeah, I'm sorry I missed that. I just, oh, no problem. That seems uh, particularly embarrassing as we're speaking now, but I, I, yeah, <laughs> I wanted to go and I double booked myself and I, you played like a weird, you were playing at like lunch, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. so I kind of got... Anyway, I really felt badly <laughs> about that. Badly enough that I texted you to say, I'm sorry, I missed it. I hope, I hope you... <laughs> you I, I are hope, hilarious. I hope you acknowledge my text. Anyway, okay, so you've got some dates coming up. <laughs> Where can people learn more about Saltland? Um, maybe on the Constellation site. Right, cstrecords.com. Yeah, That's backslash Saltland. <laughs> <laughs> Very specific, yes, and they can learn more about this beautiful record of Common Truth and... And all your tour dates and, and, and your past records as well. So cstrecords.com. Uh, Becky, is there a song from this record that we can go out on that you can pick? Oh, sure. Well, how about um, I Only Wish This For You? Okay. Why why did that come to mind? Dedicated to your beautiful kid. Oh, really? Okay. Is, is yeah. there's a, I hope there's a warm sentiment to this. Unless the thing that you wish for them is being grounded. That would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what is the sentiment behind it's wishing it? a beautiful world for the next generation and the generation after that and the generation after that okay well that sounds lovely this is i only wish this for you by saltland uh rebecca foon thank you so much for being on this show and, and it's nice to have you back and it was lovely to talk to you and, and best of luck with everything yay thank you so much so wonderful talking to you
I Only Wish This For You by Sawland from the new record, A Common Truth. Thank you, Becky Foon, for being on this show. I felt better after talking to Becky, and uh, I, st- I felt better listening just now. I hope you felt good after listening to Becky. She has a, a very reasoned and interesting perspective on the world, and I appreciate uh, the fact that she's been on this show a couple times. So thank you once again, Becky. Again, cstrecords.com for more information about Saltland. This is the 314th episode of the Creative Control Podcast, which is available on all podcast platforms. So wherever you listen to podcasts, look for Creative Control. And if it's not there, maybe ask someone to put it on there. Maybe me? I don't know. Go to vishkana.com for more information about contacting me and the show. Also go to patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to the podcast version of the program. There's also a radio show version of Creative Control that airs every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time on uh, CFRU.ca around the world. Or if you're in the area, CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph, 250 watts of community power. Also, fo- follow us on things like Twitter, at Vish Creative. Also, on, we're on Facebook. Like the page on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, at Vish Kana. And uh, yeah, please uh, get in touch if you have to. Hey, this episode would not be possible without our sponsors. Uh, the finest pizzeria in Guelph, Pizza Trocadero, whom you can call for pickup or delivery at 519-829-2444. Or check them out at trocaderoguelph.ca. They just introduced a margarita. It's very good. I like it. Thin crust. Nice. Also, the Bookshelf, an independently owned bookstore and restaurant located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. Learn more about them at bookshelf.ca. And for the finest coffee anywhere, try Planet Bean Freshly Roasted Fair Trade Certified Organic Coffee. Visit planetbeancoffee.com to find out if you can get their beans in your town. I don't know if you heard the announcement at the top of the show. I hope you did. On May 3rd, I'm having a little launch party for the TV version, the actual filmed version of Long Night with Vishkana, which is launching on 5TV1 on May 3rd. So please come out to Longboat Hall, 1087 Queen Street West in Toronto on Wednesday, May 3rd, uh, between 6 and 8 p.m. And there'll be more information about this and how to register for tickets uh, just to RSVP uh, on my on the Facebook page on the Facebook page for sure, and uh, I it'll probably be on my website at vishkana.com as well. All right, lots of great episodes still to come. So thanks for uh, checking in and, and listening to this podcast again. Please uh, subscribe to the show, download episodes, rate, review them, uh, follow the show, tell your friends about the show. It, it all helps, and uh, I appreciate your uh, your support for the show. Okay, thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye for now.